Welcome to Diverse Paths at Country Day, a new podcast from your podcast class in the Office of Diversity Planning. I'm your host, James Utley. On this show, we'll dive deep into belonging at Country Day School and how we express diversity through faculty, students, special speakers, and other activities. Each show, you will hear from one of the diversity planning teamers about what they hope to achieve here at Country Day. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with Ms. Butler on Diverse Paths at Country Day. I'm sitting down in our Charlotte Country Day recording studio with Ms. Tiana Butler. Ms. Butler is Associate Director of our Diversity Planning here at our school. Once again, thank you for joining me today, Ms. Butler. Of course. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. No problem. No problem. So I understand your office is dedicated to bringing in like diverse speakers and a little bit. We'll hear from a black author and her son who came to speak last year at Country Day. So what is the goal of bringing in people like Carol Boston Weatherford and like the author of Kin and several other books exploring her African-American roots? You know, that's a great question, James. Really, the goal of bringing in those authors is to create a sense of representation within our community. So we have a program called the Diversity Guest Authors Program. And every year we try to bring in at least one or two um, authors who come from diverse backgrounds and who have a lot of great literature for students Mm -hmm. to read. Um, And this allows students to not only see themselves in the books that they read, but to also engage with the authors who create these stories. Okay. Which I, I think it means a lot to the students because they can figure out you know, the mindset of these authors, they're here about their journeys, uh, what they've been through. And um, like with, you know, Jeffrey, just seeing how he got involved in, um, you know, being an artist for his mother's book. So it's, it's a great opportunity for kids to see themselves and speak with authors like themselves. Okay. So in a sense, like, bringing in these type of speakers kind of to like connect with the audience? Yes, connect with them. And then for students to see themselves in in the authors and be like, maybe I can do that one day. Okay. Okay. And Weatherford also writes books like Becoming Billie Holiday, Jazz Baby, and the newest book, Ken, which I mentioned before, includes her perspective on the American Revolution. Frederick Douglass, who was an enslaved in the Civil War battlefields. So what does bringing an author like this to Country Day, having her books in our lower school, middle school, and upper school communicate to our community? Well, it definitely communicates that Whatever you look like, whatever skin color, background, race, socioeconomic status that you come from, you matter here because you Mm -hmm. can see yourself in the material. You can walk into the library and see a story that connects to your religion, a story that connects to your racial um, identity. And we Mm -hmm. want kids to feel like they can see themselves all throughout campus. So that's really significant and important for us. Okay, so you kind of want to bring in someone who... See themselves to connect to yeah. be inspired. Kind of give them like a, like a little boost of like kind of confidence in a way. Yes. Okay. I think that makes sense to me. Yeah. In a minute, you know, Miss Butler, thank you. We're gonna like pause for a moment as we hear from Carol and her uh, son Jeffrey Boston Weatherford. Miss Weatherford began to writing at age six and as soon saw her poems in print. She has authorized uh, over seventy plus books. She has two NACP Image Awards and nine American Liberty Associated Youth Medal Awards, including a Newbery Honor and Coretta Scott King Award. She has been recognized with the North Carolina Award for Literature and induction into the North Carolina Literary Hall of Fame. When she visited Country Day last year, she sat down with Sienna Tiana Miller. So I'm here with Miss Carol Boston Weatherford, a renowned author and her son, Jeffrey Boston Weatherford, who's an illustrator and artist who often illustrates her work. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's an honor. 
the first question I wanted to ask is, how did you guys decide to work together as a team? Jeffrey's been working with me just about all his life, um, not necessarily as an illustrator. He started working with me alongside his sister when I was promoting my school visits, and the two of them would stuff envelopes and lick stamps uh, before there was adhe- there were adhesive stamps. So, you know, we've been working together for a while, but he, we began um, collaborating on books together after Jeffrey did an internship uh, when he was at Winston-Salem State University where he went to undergraduate school. And the internship was in children's book illustration, and he used uh, my manuscripts. But, you know, Jeffrey, I forgot that they, you did something in high school with mm-hmm. my work, too. So mm-hmm. maybe I was cultivating I was born. before then. That's when we decided to work as a team, as soon as I was born. <laughs> Well, in high school, though, you remember what you did for your yeah, class project? Yeah, Dreamland. Yep. Right. I did. Right. I illustrated one of her manuscripts that she had for a long time, and it was done in charcoal. And then it turned out after he did the um, college internship that I, I fell in love with the illustrations that he did for the, illustri- for the book about Tuskegee Airmen. And we ended up getting a contract to uh, produce the book. And so that's how, that's how we started out together. That's good. Um, have you guys always wanted to write for Miss Weatherford and illustrate? No, not at all. I, it was just opportunity. My mom gave me the opportunity to be an illustrator, you know, and illustrate her manuscript. And I completed it, and we got the contract, and that that was it. It was just, yeah. But both of us have really been practicing our crafts, not necessarily professionally, for, you know, most of our lives. Like, Jeffrey started drawing when he was a kid, maybe at least in kindergarten. I mean, he was drawing before then. Uh, and he, in, in kindergarten, during my, per, my first parent-teacher conference with his kindergarten teacher, the teacher said, oh, he needs to finish coloring his worksheets. And Jeffrey, but Jeffrey was interested in creating his own work. And I started writing um, when I was in first grade. My, made up my first poem in first grade and then continued writing uh, all through school but didn't decide that I wanted to be an author until I was uh, in my mid-twenties and had uh, a poem published in a local magazine. So as an author and as an illustrator, and especially being a black author and a black illustrator, what are some challenges that you have faced so far in your career? Well, I think there there are two challenges, and, and one is not necessarily a challenge that's um, unique to African Americans, but the, the initial challenge is, as a new author, a new talent, is getting work, you know, getting your, your pieces considered, being taken seriously, and having someone to take a chance on you. So that was, you know, that's the initial hurdle. Um, but another challenge that I've faced is... Uh, getting illustrators, not getting illustrators, getting editors uh, at the publishing houses to um, understand that black subjects matter. So there may be some some subjects that uh, editors don't know about and some black people don't know about. You know, they're not widely known. So they're obscure subject matters, uh, obscure subjects, but nevertheless, they're important for people to know about them. 
uh, Fannie Lou, uh, my biography of Fannie Lou Hamer is an example. Not a lot of people knew who Fannie Lou Hamer was, and some people still don't know. But she was an important civil rights activist, voting rights activist. But I had to find a publisher who thought that she was important enough to be the focus of a book. So that's, that's always a challenge, finding a publisher that thinks the subject is important enough and also appropriate for young people. And how did you go about convincing them of that? Well, you have to write what's called a pitch for one thing. I, I now have an agent, but I, I sometimes help him write um, pitches about my work. I give, him, I give him a description of my work that he can use as the pitch to the publishing house. And the pitch has to help sell uh, the project. Um, now, you know, because um, I've won a lot of awards, publishers know who I am, so they might be interested in reading a manuscript because it's by me as opposed to the subject matter. So they'll consider it, and you know that maybe they want to publish uh, some, a book about that subject matter. Maybe they don't, but if they don't, there's probably another editor somewhere who, who does want to. Mm-hmm. And you? So for me, again, I don't think this is a necessarily black challenge, but as just an artist challenge, um, confidence in my own work. You know, there's something called, you know, being hard on yourself. And I feel like artists are some of the, like, the worst people for this. You see your work and you're like, oh, this is, this is wrong and that's wrong. And this nose is too big and that finger's too long. And then somebody else sees your work and like, oh, my God, can I buy this? And it's like, I just have to understand that my perspective and how I see my work is just, it's skewed, if you will, totally skewed from the way that other people see my work. So understanding that I'm going to be the hardest one on my work and I'm going to see the worst in my art while other people are gonna see the best in the art, typically, um, that my perspective is totally unique usually to my own being and just accepting the fact that I I am a great artist, I guess, if that makes sense. You're okay. I'm all right. <laughs> That's all right. I'm all right. I just work to get better every time. That's it. So, yeah. yeah. Believing in myself, if you will. Believe that I deserve to be where I am. Mm-hmm. So what is your favorite piece of work that you've created so far? Um, my favorite piece of work? Well, I have a few favorite books. Uh, one is Becoming Billie Holiday, uh, a verse novel for young adults about the jazz singer Billie Holiday, who's from my from my hometown of Baltimore. At least she was raised there. Um, another is You Can Fly, the Tuskegee Airmen, uh, because I collaborated on that with Jeffrey. That was our first book together. And the third is Moses, When Harriet Tubman Led Her People to Freedom, because it was my breakthrough book. And Harriet Tubman was uh, a hero of mine when I was a child. Mine as well. And you, what is your favorite piece of work? I would say it's the body, a body of work, really. It would be Ken, just because, again, it's the most recent uh, work. You know, my old work, I can't say I'm beyond my old work. Like, once you Mm -hmm. create something, you're already stretched and you're already beyond what you just did. You can't go back to the place that you were before something was created. You can only expand more. So definitely the whole body of Ken, that's like where I am as an artist right now. Mm-hmm. Do you have any regrets so far in your career? Is there any? Mm, maybe not going harder sooner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just instead of 
I guess being down about art or being uh, unconfident in myself or mm-hmm. feeling like, oh, I'm not, I'm just here because Carol Weatherford is my mom. Like, yeah. that's ridiculous because at the end of the day, children's book, they only pick like the cream of the crop, right? Mm-hmm. They wouldn't pick me unless it was, they felt it was a good representation of their vision. And I, that was something that I really had to like get over. Mm-hmm. So. Any regrets? Uh, maybe not starting to write for children sooner. I didn't. I didn't start writing for children until after I had children. If I had started sooner, maybe I'd be farther along now. Um, and then there are always um, regrets about subjects that interest me that someone else beats me to the punch uh, in terms of having a book published about. So I'd like to be first uh, to write about a subject matter if and when I can. Yeah. So, do you have any advice for children who want to be an author or an illustrator? Absolutely. So, just what I said, um, the difficulties. Understand that you have to be gentle with yourself Mm -hmm. first. You have to be your own cheerleader, you know? You have to be your own, like, everything. Like, you have to fiercely believe in yourself. Uh, You have to be patient, like develop patience early really and understand that one yes can change like a lifetime of no's truly all it takes is one yes to catapult you into your dreams truly just one yes from the one person can change your life mm-hmm. and who was that person for you um i guess simon and schuster mm-hmm. yeah they they accepted the the manuscript the scratch board and that was my launch board into children's book illustration and, you know, we just released Ken with them, which is definitely my biggest work so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which has over 50 illustrations in it. Yeah. And for me, um, I, I'd say prepare yourself. Um, as a writer, you, the way you prepare yourself is by doing a lot of reading, um, getting as much education as you can, because, you know, the more education you get, the more you're going to have to read, and probably the more you're going to have to write as well. Uh, Secondly, practice your craft. Uh, So write every day if you can. Keep a journal if you want to, uh, but definitely write every day. Uh, Write as much as you can, and persevere. Don't quit just because someone says no. I have um, a book called The Sound That Jazz Makes that was my book that won Uh, my first national award. It was the Carter G. Woodson Award from National Council for Social Studies. Well, that book was rejected probably 15 or 20 times before it was accepted by a publisher. So what if I had stopped after the second rejection or after the fifth or after the tenth? It would never be published. But yet, you know, it's published and it's it's still in print today. It came out around 1999 or 2000. Was there anything that helped you to persevere? Anything that influenced that? Well, I think it was the fact that when I was a child, my father printed some of my early poems um, on the printing press in his, in his classroom. He used my poems as typesetting exercises for his students. And so I got to see my work at a ver- in print at a very early age before the dawn of a digital technology. So there were no, you know, no computers, no iPads uh, when I was growing up. There were typewriters, but I mean, I didn't even necessarily use one of those. I was just writing in longhand. But the fact that my father had already published me at such an early age 
And I had received this encouragement from both of my parents and from my elementary school teachers. It gave me the audacity to think that someone else might publish me one day as well, even though I was getting, you know, a lot of rejections early on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thank you guys so much for being here today and answering all of my questions. This has been amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it's an honor. You're listening to Diverse Paths at Country Day with your host, James Utley, a production of the podcast journalism class with Kick at Charlotte Country Day School. Thank you to Yana Miller for the interview. So, Ms. Butler, this author writes books that affirm a sense of justice and joy. How do you think that affects the people who read her book? I think it encourages them, right? Mm -hmm. I think it inspires them. I think it reminds them of who they are and whose they are and where they're going in their journey. I think not only with representation being really important and students being able to see themselves in the material, but also being able to see joy and happiness and peace and prosperity um, tied to their their social identities is really important as well. And so to have authors who are continuously putting out these books, whether it be children's books or novels in the, the middle school, in the upper school, that feeling of joy and justice permeates so much of our community and of the souls of the students. Okay, so you're sort of bringing in a speaker, an author, and a son to, you know, basically kind of help the student recognize, you know, who they are and, you know, kind of have them uh, think more straightforward of like who they can be and who they want to be in a sense. Absolutely. Okay. So how do you think the books and the authors we keep in our library like impact our students? You know, I think a lot of students look at these books in their representations of themselves, but they're also gateways into other people's journeys that Mm -hmm. they may not know about. And so I think it gives them a way to learn more about the world around them, to have a greater appreciation for the world around them, but also to remind them that there's greatness within them too, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And that an author who looks like them can come back and talk to a school full of students and um, they can have their books in a library. So I think it's inspirational. I think it's um, helpful and informative. And I think it's, it's highly beneficial for everybody. Okay, so besides having authors like Carolyn's uh, son, Jeffrey, you know, having these certain books in our school, you know, not, not every book in our library kind of relate to a student, but from what I've seen, you know, from what the books that I've read, I see books as a different way, kind of a different way to like escape reality in a sense, you know, because people, you know, deal with certain things. I think bringing in these type of speakers can like help a student here at Country Day can kind of relate to, you know, what Carol like writes mm-hmm. in a sense. And, you know, I do think that some of authors, other authors and books that we have at our school kind of help that, but in a different tone because they might not write books about, you know, slavery, you know, and right. her book like Ken. You know, each book here kind of gives a different point of view. And it may not be a different point of view on their background, but on someone else's, like a president or a war or maybe how this person or this group came to be. So I, I, I really I, I really do see that. And, you know, finally, before we wrap up, what are some of your hopes for the Country Day community and diversity at our school? Oh, I have a lot of hopes for Country Day. I mean, Country Day is 
You know, the diversity planning office has been around for 20 plus years. Mr. Wise, Brian Wise has been at the helm of that since it began, I think in 97 or 98. Mm. So he's really uh, contributed a lot to this community in terms of DEIB efforts. But of course, this is an ongoing lifelong journey. It's not going to ever be done. Mm -hmm. I really want, first of all, our students to be able to walk into any space, any, any classroom, any library, any gym and feel... One, like they belong, mm -hmm. right? Feel two, like they can see themselves in this community and see that they are appreciated and valued in this community. And three, I want them to be able to benefit from all that, both social, socially, emotionally, and academically. I want them to mm -hmm. thrive and, and be successful and know that it's okay to be themselves. It's okay to embrace their social identifiers, whatever they may be, because we are a school community that's open to that. So that's... That's my hope for students, but also the same for faculty, the same for staff, and the same for um, our families in this community is that they can have that sense of peace and calm mm -hmm. and home um, and, and nurture nurturing at Country Day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, I, when, when I walk into the school, I feel like that I belong, you know, in freshman year. I. It was a it was a different point of view for me. You know, it was yeah. a new school. You know, I was uh, um, I was home from COVID. You know, mm -hmm. uh, I was at a post school before, and it was a, it was kind of a big jump to come to the school. You know, I didn't really know how I was going to fit in, and you know, the these teachers, you know, my advisor, Dr. Chapman, um, Dr. Destin, my dad, especially, you know, they kind of they kind of give me that different point of view and told me that I belonged. You know, it kind of took me a long long process to realize mm -hmm. that I did. But, you know, I'm finally starting to realize that that I do. And, you know, in a school like this, you know, it's going to take a lot of hard work, you know, yeah. when it comes to because I'm always down on myself. You know, the school is a lot harder than what I'm usually used to. Um, but I now see that I actually belong here, you know, because of my friends, you know, um, my teachers and, you know, like I said before, my dad. But do you think like for a follow up question, do you think that? You know, I, I always see that um, that other students are in your 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 classroom. Do you think that they like from what you've seen from your point of view? Do you think that they belong here at Country Day? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> First of all, I'm going to get back to that question, but I want to I want to say thank you for sharing what you just said about mm -hmm. your experience here. Yeah, it, it can be tough, mm -hmm. um, but know that you definitely belong, and I'm so glad that you feel that way. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I want them to know that they belong. Absolutely. And not only that, I want them to feel like when they come into my room, mm -hmm. they can be their absolute true self. If that means they're cutting up in the corner, <laughs> if that means the dancing, if that means, you know, we're laughing yeah. or whatever it may be, you know, I want them to have that place where they can just thrive and be themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like a judgment-free zone. I'm not going to judge you because this is where you can be yourself. So I, mm -hmm. would, I would hope they know and they feel that they belong. Okay. And, like, you know, I would say probably, like, middle of sophomore year, you know, going to second semester, I, if I'm going to be straight out honest, like, I, I really, like, want to be at the school, you know, because, yeah. like, it's just I'm not the type of person to – like, I want to see progress, like, right away. I want to mm, see, yeah. you know, um, things change, like, right away, like, going to my direction. I don't want to see, like, this long process. And right. I don't really see that, so I, I didn't really want to be here anymore. But, um, like, for students that sort of relate to that, do you think that, like, would you force them 
to like stay because like mm-hmm. you may see a different I would say a different sort of potential in that said student than they see themselves like yeah. would you would you try to force them like what would you do to like kind of reassure them that they do belong here at Country Day? That's a really good question. I'm glad you brought it up because you know I did not go to a predominantly white institution mm-hmm. like Country Day in high school, but I did go to one in college. Mm-hmm. And I remember stepping foot on campus in my first semester, absolutely hating it. <laughs> I felt like you. I was like, well, I don't belong here. I look so different. The people act so different. Um, but what really helped me was finding a community mm-hmm. of people who looked like me, who understood what I was going through. Mm-hmm. And through that community, then I was better able to navigate time in a difficult place or a new place. And I think the same is here with these students. I think if a student is having a tough time, the first thing you always want to do is just acknowledge it be like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, a lot of things are not easy and yeah. you know, you're in a new environment, a new place. So it's going to be difficult. You want to always, you know, make sure that you hear them out. Mm-hmm. I think the second thing is is to is to start building that community around them. Yeah. So that could be meeting with them, you know, during lunch, and we hang out, and then slowly building a a friend group around them, or getting mm-hmm. them involved in other, you know, activities or groups or clubs. I think that community is really important. But at the end of the day, ultimately, that student has to decide whether or not they are thriving here, mm-hmm. but um, the hope is that they have that community where they can thrive. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what my dad did for me. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of saw that, that I did belong. It just kind of took me a long, long process to realize that. Yeah. And, you know, um, it, right now I would say it's kind of a love and hate relationship. You know, <laughs> the, the school work's still kind of hard, but yeah. you know, I'm still pushing through it. You know, I'm still meeting with teachers, you know, um, I'm still getting assistance from my parents and my yeah. advisor, Dr. Chapman. And, you know, things right now are going pretty good. You know, um, yeah. I kind of got like kicked in the stomach from midterms, but, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to let that um, stop me. You right, know, I'm going to keep right. pushing for it because after all, I was kind of out for a month, you know, because of yeah. surgery. But, you know, I just got to keep remembering, you know, I, you know, God's got me, you know, Absolutely. I'm going to keep pushing for it. So um, Absolutely. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Yeah, you should be feeling very you. proud of yourself. No matter what happens, you have come so far and you've done so much. I have in, in such a short amount of time. Right. Especially now that I'm a junior. Right. It's almost senior. Ms. Butler, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Of course. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. On the next Diversity Pass of Country Day, the two of us will continue this conversation as we explore how the Office of Diversity Planning is making an impact here at the school. We'll also sit down with Country Day grad Kendall Addison to talk about historically black colleges and universities and how our school prepare her for her next steps.